0: Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview, or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. So I have a funny little uh, story for you we have an iPod in this building that is playing on continuous loop and it makes it really easy for us when we want to just mix in a little music in these in-between times and uh the iPod just happened to be on a Christmas song so I thought that was (laughs) Joel goes this is a Christmas song (laughs) oh man well look at look at me wrong about everything today um we're going to be talking this morning about, um, we're, we're continuing in our series uh, this morning that we've been in for the last few weeks, uh, the Learn From Me series. And fortunately, it's not a learn from me, but it's a learn from Jesus series. And so um, that that comes from a passage out of Matthew that um, talks about putting our trust in God when times seem difficult. And it seems appropriate for this season that we're in. To kind of come back to the basics, Um, we do this um, in school every year, it feels like with our kids, and in sports at at the beginning of the fall season, it feels like we come back after summer, we've kind of been doing our thing, and then we come back together in the fall and kind of get back to the basics of the things that we believe, the things that we know to be true. And in this series, we've had several messages that have just been, I don't know about you guys, but have been very impactful to me. Um, I think about Danny, who spoke on Mercy, and just um, Amber spoke a few weeks ago, and that was very impactful. Last uh, couple of weeks ago, Mike Murray spoke, um, and, and just, I, I've, I felt like through this whole series, just being able to hear from different people at Renewal City, it's been um, very impactful to hear what God is doing in each of us, because the truth is, we're not just a part of a church that sits and receives, we're a part of a church that believes that God is speaking to each one of us right that that he's moving and speaking to each one of us that he's doing things individually in our lives so that we when we come together as a whole and make up a community that we're able to encourage one another with where we are I don't know if you notice this in like a marriage relationship um, but there are times in marriage relationship where like we go through struggles in life and I think by the grace of God, a lot of times, at least in my marriage, um, if I'm really not doing well, Kizzy's really able to support and come around me and support me, um, and vice versa. Um, I feel like she probably carries a little heavier load there than, than I do, but uh, the truth is, is it's really an appropriate thing, I think, for us to be able to hear from different people in our our church group here to be able to be encouraged by each other, um, so... I want to start off this morning by just saying that Kizzy and I have kind of a favorite TV show that we're watching right now, and I will warn you, if you're like one of these people that's really offended by spoilers, just either leave or close your ears or something, because I'm going to spoil this TV show for you a little bit, Um, but... I gotta give a shout out to all my diamond dogs out there because the the, the show is on Apple TV Plus. If you haven't seen it, it's called Ted Lasso, and I'll warn you: the, anytime you support a TV show from a teaching, like you have to, like people go and watch that TV show, and then they get really offended that you love the f word as much as you do, and um, and and it's not. I don't love the f word, okay? But like, the truth is, they do in the show. And it's the premise of the show is it's about a um. a a guy from the South, right, and he coaches a college football team. His name's Ted Lasso, and he's like this really great coach. He's just a hype coach, super encouraging, and the premise is he gets hired by this English premier soccer team uh, to fly over to England and take over this soccer team, and obviously, it's, it's a hilarious premise because he knows absolutely nothing about soccer, right? He's a great coach, but he doesn't understand the rules. In fact, even into well into the second season, he's still admitting that he doesn't understand the offsides rule. And, and like, he'll make these jokes about it and say, like, no, seriously, would please would you please <laughs> explain the offsides rule to me? Because I still don't understand this. But um, this, this guy is absolutely a fun-loving and all-around just amazing coach. And he's one of these people that you just kind of get contagious with Uh, his positivity and um, you find out like kind of early in the first season that the little biscuits that he's been bringing his boss every morning who doesn't really even like him and wanted him to be there. um, He's been like baking them for her all along. That's a huge spoiler. Like I ruined that whole scene for you. Um, But it's actually just wonderful to watch this guy and his, the, the way that he has the ability to, to get into a group of people and just elevate that whole group of people into a positive way of thinking and an encouraging way of thinking. He has these like amazing sayings cuz he's southern and he's totally a fish out of water, right? And I gotta, I just have to give you a couple of his sayings. I'm going to I'm going to do my best. Joel was going to get me a mustache this morning cuz he has a mustache, but we forgot to do that, but like I got to give you a couple of his sayings and I'll do my best to do it I'm in a southern accent, but he 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 <laughs> T- Ted will say, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. And, and he says, like, when a guy kind of says something a little bit um, off, and he goes, if that's a joke, I love it. If not, I can't wait to unpack that with you later. <laughs> and then just talking about like uh the food in england he goes little tip for y'all fries are called chips chips are called crisps and bangers aren't great songs but they do make you feel like dancing because they're so darn tasty (laughs) um and then uh one of my favorites is he says i feel like we fell out of the lucky tree and hit every branch on the way down and ended up in a pool of cash and sour patch kids (laughs) anyhow uh funny to me and maybe not to you um but Ted's kind of like unorthodox way of motivating a team and his attention to bringing out the very best in people provides a foundation for a very heartwarming and inspiring storyline. It's actually very, has probably very little to do with soccer and English football, I guess, um, but more to do with like character development. And these characters are phenomenal. In fact, I'd love to like unpack all of these characters. I feel like you could almost do a sermon series, a series on these characters and just the different personalities represented. And if you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. Roy Kent, right? And uh, Keely and Beard, who has a whole episode in the second season that's so bizarre. Um, and, you know, like Jamie Tart, who is kind of like the, the, you know, really arrogant, great player, you know, Jamie Tart. do-do-do-do-do-do, Jamie. Anyway. Uh, you guys need to watch the show, apparently. Um, but... In the first season you you're introduced to the this this staff member um, Nate. And Nate is is like the towel boy for the team, right? He's made it into his adult years and he has not arrived anywhere, right? And Nate is one of these guys that is very soft-spoken. He's very unsure of himself, and the whole team just really rags on him. Um, they they treat him kind of like a slave on the team, and they throw towels at him and just they say mean things to him. and And Nate is because of it. He kind of feels like a, a beat puppy. You know what I mean? Like just kind of walks around with his tail between his legs and in everything that he's doing. And um, Ted, of course you know, has an opportunity to do something in this moment. Like, he could come in and yell at the players for, for treating him this way, but Ted does something really amazing throughout the first season, and he kind of ignores what all the players are doing, and instead, he just starts, like, killing this guy with kindness. And he does it in front of everyone so as to make, like, a point of correction that this this, this towel boy is worth something. And... Um, it's really kind of touching and heartwarming because he he nicknames this guy Nate the Great. And so <laughs> everywhere he goes, like, oh, there's Nate the Great. And Nate actually knows quite a bit about English football, and he um, starts giving Ted, you know, like, some, like, very meek advice about a play or this, you know, we could try this. And and Ted ends up taking this advice, not only takes his advice, it works, and then, like, he gives Nate all the credit, and in these press conferences that are hilarious, and where they just destroy Ted. For I mean, he he knows nothing, right? He's 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 not supposed to be there. And it's very just cool to watch how Nate's whole demeanor starts to change over this first season because someone believes him. That you know, you've got Ted like literally breathing life into this very uncomfortable man, and you just watch how Nate's whole countenance starts to change. And something interesting starts to happen with Nate into the second season of the show because Nate starts to feel like he kind of almost gets a little bit addicted to this attention. And he's still a very insecure person. And he starts to feel like a little bit more highly of himself than he ought to. And so by the middle of the second season you're starting to see Nate say things to other coaches and other staff members like do you ever wish that you could just be in charge of this and they're just like well we're not in char- we're not the head coach we're not supposed to be in charge of this and and Nate's like i know but like don't you ever like feel that like you want to be in charge like you want to be the one and it's even interesting like the new towel boy that replaces Nate um, in the second season Nate treats him horribly. I mean, you're thinking, like, he's going to be brought up in this system where, where he has learned through kindness that you can really bring someone into a, a whole different space, and instead, Nate chooses with this new towel boy to just, like, l- literally tear him down constantly, and he starts to put himself in this position of, I'm important, I'm in charge, I'm the, one- I'm the reason that this team is doing well. And you see all of these little moments like how they can do in cinema where like little looks or eye rolls or, you know, times where Ted will go into one of his quips. Um, like like when Ted says, you're beating yourself up like Woody Allen playing the clarinet and I don't want to hear it, you know. Um, or if he says, your body is like day-old rice and if you're warmed up properly, something bad, or if you're not warmed up properly, something real bad could happen. <laughs> Um, Ted actually puts this little sign up above the coach's door that just says believe um, because the team's been bad for quite some time. And, and he tells them, gentlemen, you know, I choose to believe in hope. And as you move into the second season, you just see Nate get more and more frustrated with Ted because he really feels like he's the reason that this team is being successful. And he's just annoyed. Um, I won't ruin... This part for you, but I will tell you that Nate just does something super mean to Ted. And Ted knows about it. He finds out about it. But instead of doing something about it, he just chooses to go on treating Ted or treating Nate well. And, um, yeah, in the end, it's a total betrayal. Um, for the person that fought for Nate the most and the person that treated him with respect, Nate was the very only person, really, that turned his back completely on Ted. It's, it's very, like, kind of tears your heart apart in the second season. I didn't cry, but Kizzy probably did. <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting this morning because um, there's actually a story in the Bible that almost parallels this perfectly. Um, and it starts right before the Passover meal, give you a little bit of background and context. The disciples that were traveling with Jesus and were a part of his ministry for three years um, had seen Jesus do all sorts of amazing things. And imagine you've got these 12 guys that, like, historically, for for us to understand where the disciples were, we have to understand that they were likely rejected by another rabbi, right? Because if you were a young Jewish boy... Your greatest hope in life was to be taken in by a rabbi and to be mentored by a rabbi. And when Jesus comes and finds these disciples out fishing, you remember these stories, and, like, he calls them to come make fishers of men with him, right? We love these stories in church, like, go make fishers of men. But, like, contextually, we have to think about that as, like, these guys are out fishing because nobody wanted them, right? No no rabbi thought that they were good enough, Um, to be used for ministry. And so, Jesus, being, like, kind of an up-and-coming rabbi, if you will, um, an up-and-coming teacher, chooses this kind of ragtag group of disciples and brings them together to make them um, a community. And over the course of three years, the disciples get to watch Jesus do all sorts of amazing things. I mean, he's doing miracles. I mean, think about it. He's turned water into wine. They've seen him raise people from the dead. They've seen him um, heal people that weren't even there. I mean, like with the centurion's uh, son that was sick and... I think Danny spoke on that a few weeks ago. Um, They learned from Jesus' rabbinical teachings, so they really had a place. Like, someone found value in them and was speaking life into them. And you see this sort of ragtag group of people really go from being, like, a lowly fisherman or someone that's just kind of, like, given up on life to now having a real place and a position. Um, So... Kind of to set the scene for you, Jesus and his disciples had made their way to Jerusalem because they did this every year for the Passover feast. They would take the journey from um, Nazareth, where they were kind of from, and, and, and around that area of Capernaum and area. They would travel every year and walk all the way to Jerusalem and take part in the Passover feast in Jerusalem. And on the way there, Jesus and the disciples were, like, stopping in towns, and he was performing miracles in these towns. And so news started to spread of of this new, like, like rock star rabbi that was coming into Jerusalem, and people were getting really interested about it. Like, the the crowd was really interested in, in Jesus and what he was doing, so much so that they you know, news started to spread that this might be like a Messiah that they'd been looking for, someone that was going to come and help them overthrow the Roman Empire, maybe possibly even be this new king in Israel. And, I mean, this is where you get Palm Sunday around Easter time, right, where you have people laying down palm branches and Jesus coming in on a colt. I mean, all of these things are starting to feel like, man, we're really a part of something big here. And it's interesting because after they make their way into the city... Uh, The disciples get into this conversation, and we pick up the conversation in Luke chapter twenty-two, verse twenty-four through twenty-six. I'm going to read it out of the message this morning, but it says this: "It says within minutes they were bickering amongst themselves, who would end up being the greatest in this kingdom." Because imagine, right? I mean, these guys felt like they bought Bitcoin in 2014. I mean, like they they were like. They were in, right? I mean, they were a part of something really big here. And they went from kind of being nothing, a lot like Nate, into being a part of something really significant. And so, naturally, they do what humans do, and they start looking at each other going, I wonder, when Jesus takes over and overthrows the Roman Empire, and we become, like, really great, who will be the greatest among us? Um. There's another conversation that happens between them and, and Jesus as well, like talking about how, um, who do you think when we get to, with you in eternity, who, who's going to sit at your right or your left, you know, like who's going to be the most important, who will be the greatest? Jesus intervenes, though. He says, listen to this, kings like to throw their weight around. People in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. It's not going to be that way with you. Let the senior among you become like the junior and let the leader act the part of a servant. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And with that kind of backbone for a conversation... Jesus and his disciples are still going to move into this Passover feast. And even though like, there are times where Jesus has to come in and give correction, you, you just get this sense from Jesus that no matter what his disciples do or how much they misinterpret what he's trying to be about and what he's trying to do in Jerusalem, why he's even there, he gives them all these little warnings along the way, and they still have trouble understanding it. But Jesus, in his patience of coming to where the disciples need him to be, he works them through this process one step at a time. So using that as kind of the backbone, this dispute as the backbone for them entering into the Passover meal. Um, keep in mind, Jesus knows that he's going to be dying for the sins of the world, right? I mean, he's, he knows that this is not about an earthly kingdom. He knows that God has called him to do something very difficult for all of humanity, and he also knows that he's going to be betrayed by somebody in his real close-knit group, Judas Iscariot. He knows he's going to be denied by one of his beloved disciples, Peter. And he knows he's going to be misunderstood by pretty much everyone around him. um, And ultimately, that he's going to be killed for it. With that lovely backdrop, (laughs) Jesus does something even more amazing, I think, than Ted or, you know, a story that we could tell today um, when these disciples coming to him, asking him who's going to be the greatest. In John chapter 13, verse 1 through 17, again, I'll read this out of the message because it just makes it more story-ish. Just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come to leave this world and to go to the Father. And having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. It was supper time, and the devil by now had Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, firmly in his grip, all set for the betrayal. Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything, that he came from God and was on his way back to God. So he got up from the supper table and set aside his robe, and he put on an apron, and he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his apron. When he got to Simon Peter, Peter said, Master, you wash my feet? mark. Jesus answered, You don't understand what I'm doing, but it'll be clear to you later. And Peter persisted, You, you can't wash my feet, not ever this doesn't make any sense. I mean, imagine, they're just, they're just trying to figure out, like, who's the second in charge? Who's the greatest among us? And Jesus does something unthinkable. He acts like a servant, right? Contextually speaking, this is a big part of having a meal together in a home because, one, they sit at these super low tables. They're not sitting in chairs, right? And so, like, people that wear sandals without socks, I know that this is a A new concept to Pacific Northwest people, but sandals without socks all the time, they have feet that stink, right? And they're dirty. And so, like, when you're invited into someone's home, an act of humility would be to pour out water into a basin and either wash the people's feet that came into your home or offer them water to wash their own feet or have one of your servants wash the feet of the people that came into the home. And so what Jesus is doing here, symbolically and actually, is he's acting like a servant in the home. And and Peter is not having it. He's just like, no, like, if you're the Messiah, this isn't okay. Like, you, you don't wash my feet, I wash your feet. And Jesus said, um, it, it, well, he says in verse 9, Master said Peter not only, well, sorry, uh, let's go back to verse 8. Peter persisted, you're not going to wash my feet ever. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you can't be a part of what I'm doing. So then Peter, like, I love Peter. He's just so like, bing, bing. You know, master said, Peter, not only my feet, then wash my hands. Wash my head. Wash all of me, right? He's in now. You're like, if, if I can't be a part of it, I, you know, wash my whole body. And Jesus says, if, you, if you've had a bath in the morning, you only need your feet washed now. You're clean from head to toe from head to toe. My concern, you understand, is holiness, not hygiene. So now you're clean, but not every part of you. He knew who was about to betray him, and that's why he said not every one of you. After he had finished washing their feet, he took his robe, he put it back on, and went back to the place at the table. Then he said, do you understand what I have done for you? You address me as teacher, as master. Rightly so. That is what I am. So if I, the master and teacher washed your feet, you must now wash others' feet. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. A servant is not ranked above his master. If you understand what I'm telling you, you act like it. And you will live a a blessed life. Now, of course... The act of washing someone's feet today kind of seems irrelevant, doesn't it? And we've, if, if you're like a really good Christian, if you're a super Christian, you've probably been in a, in a foot washing service at some point in your life. It's super uncomfortable, right? I mean, I, I'm just being honest. Like, it's very cool and like you're totally engaged, but it's also super uncomfortable because it contextually for our time, it really doesn't make sense. I mean, other than, like, my feet, I guess, legitimately smell very badly. But, um, but like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because we're, we wear wear shoes and socks and and we kind of go about our, our day. It doesn't have a whole lot of, like, modern-day context. And even though the Catholics still um, perform a ceremony on the Thursday before Easter called Maundy uh, Thursday, where leaders in the church come around people in their congregations and wash their feet symbolically. They're doing it not, not like as something that's in a, like a physical act that's going to be meaningful for our time period, but they're doing it symbolically to remember that when Jesus asked the disciples to wash one another's feet, that they would do it in, in a remembrance that you are not as great as you think you are, right? That you are to come and be like a servant if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is doing here is he's ushering in the kingdom of heaven. So while the disciples and other followers of of Christ were expecting expecting him to usher in the kingdoms of this world, Jesus does something quite the opposite. He takes the box and almost flips it on its head, upside-down thinking, upside-down action kind of an inside-out way of thinking about life, and he does something from the act of, of servanthood in order to find greatness in the kingdom of heaven. When we invite someone into our homes today, we, we probably, like, aren't going to get out a basin of water and, you know, offer them opportunity to wash their feet. I mean, We might ask them to take their shoes off, I don't know. But it, it's not going to really look the same. Um, but I've been thinking about over the last few weeks just what it does look like in our modern context to take the concept of Jesus' instructions to his disciples that if you've seen me as the master, if you've seen me as the teacher, wash your feet to act as a servant and to show you that that is greatness in the kingdom of God. I've been kind of asking myself over the last few weeks, What does that mean then for me? Like, what what is our version of washing one another's feet? I think that in our modern context, putting on humility like a garment and serving one another is probably something that we struggle with a little bit. I think what we don't struggle with, and I I will be the first to admit it, so I'm definitely not pointing fingers unless I'm pointing them at myself, but we do a very good job of putting on offense like a garment. Um, We do a great job of putting on anger as a garment or frustration, but we don't do a great job of putting on um, the act of slavery or the act of servanthood very well. It's uncomfortable because if we've gone through anything relatively difficult in our lives, a lot like Nate from Ted Lasso, if we've gone through anything you know, relatively difficult, we're looking forward to the time in our life where we don't have to go through that again. Um, and the odd thing about humanity is that oftentimes when humanity is treated very poorly in the early stages of their life, and they get to a point where they have a place of power, now a place of opportunity, more often times than not, they take that opportunity to oppress others. I was thinking about this concept of of servanthood in the kingdom of heaven, and I wonder if we were to choose as a community to over personal justice or offense or place... Purpose, you know, involvement, title. In the kingdom of heaven, if we would choose like Jesus and like Ted Lasso, to put on humility like a garment, to put on encouragement like a garment and look for opportunity, not for ourselves to be the greatest, not for us to be seen as the one that was, you know, in charge of it all or, you know, had the had the coolest story, but... <laughs> to be the one that was pointing to others, going, look at this guy. Like, look at how amazing he is. Um, I mean, Jesus was the one that said to his disciples, like, I did not come to be served, but to serve. This is is mind-boggling to me, right? God has the opportunity to come and present himself to the world, to show the world how great he is, and what does he choose? He chooses to say, I did not come into this world to be served, but rather to serve to walk in humility, to wash your feet, to show you that I want you to be a part of something greater than you are experiencing now. I think each of us can walk in servanthood in different ways. I think that an important question for us to ask this morning, though, is if we see the Christ taking on the form of a servant, what does that look like in our own lives? What does it look like in our day to wash one another's feet. Just a quick story this morning, and then I'll close. Um, I was taking part in a uh, a conference of some uh, some kind several years ago, and I remember the the people that were speaking in that conference talking about parenting and just the relationship they had with their children. And this mom was talking about how so oftentimes as, as parents were like in this position where we just want our kids to just do what we told them to do. <laughs> like we just just do what I asked you to do. And she said that she really just was moved by the Holy Spirit um, to change her position. And a lot like the story of Ted Lasso, in order to get her children to start acting in a way that she wanted them to, she started modeling the behavior that she wanted to see in her kids. And so when it came to like backpacks that were left on the stairs or dishes that weren't cleaned up or a room that was messy, this mom took it upon herself to just go hard into serving her kids and made it a real point to just be there, be present and be a part of everything that that, that they were doing. Of course, there still comes times of correction. Of course, there still comes time of behavior modification. I understand that there's a balance here, right? I mean, I had to spank my kids. I know, like, call CPS. But, like, the truth is, like, there's a balance in life. And and I I think if our kids always see us as the one that wants to be served, all that's going to happen when they grow up is they're going to be ones that want to have the same done for them. But if we can be people that pour into people, right? And and maybe we're talking about uh, parenting, maybe we're talking about friendships, maybe we're talking about our jobs and, you know, if you're a boss over somebody. Um, Taking the opportunity to go hard at serving others first and being an encouragement first, it's amazing how that type of um, living can become contagious. And how those that we have opportunity to serve over, Danny talked about mercy kind of like is, is taking the opportunity to not lord over someone even when you have that position or title. Servanthood would be the act of how that plays out in our lives. Servanthood is how we model for people what it looks like to be a follower of Christ and someone who's ushering in the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the opportunity that you gave us to see in your scriptures that you chose to serve first, that you chose to be the first servant, and that when we see what it means to be a leader or what it means to have a place of position or a place of power, you showed us that the greatest gift that we can give to one another is to be an encouragement and to be a servant to one another. So I just pray that as we go into times of discussion that we can hear from each other what we think this morning you are saying to us about what it means to be um, people that wash each other's feet. We love you. Amen. Um, you can scan the QR codes on your tables, and at the end of that um, list, there are some discussion questions, so let's take a, a few moments Um I'm running a little bit late, so let's take just a few moments uh, to discuss these questions together, and then we'll be back with a couple more worship songs in a moment. I have found in my life that... um, Kind of a definition for washing one another's feet is when I'm uh, given opportunities uh, to do something because someone asks me to do something and my first response is like, no, I won't do that. Um, those are probably like the perfect opportunities to step into a place of servanthood. And just as the backdrop for us to being able to take communion this morning, I would Remind you that Jesus On the night that he was betrayed Sits down with his disciples To take this Passover meal And right before Judas Iscariot goes to betray Jesus Jesus makes sure He gets an opportunity The Bible says Jesus gives him a morsel Or he gives him The, the, the meal And um, He makes sure to do that Even knowing that Judas was going to ultimately, you know, betray him and and lead him to his death, I want you to consider this morning that we might be that hard person to serve. (laughs) We might be that one that someone looks at and goes, No, I don't want to do that. Like, I shouldn't have to do that. And our example this morning, as we take communion is a God that says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's some elements in front of you, um, bread that represents the broken body of of Christ. And um, juice that represents his blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. Um, We would just invite you as a group this morning to take part in this communion celebration of what Christ has done for us and serving us by being a ransom for everyone. I just want to pray over this communion service this morning. Jesus, we just thank you for the gift that you've given us of it of a beautiful example of what it means to be a servant to others and just would ask that you would do that in us, that you would take our whole lives, our whole hearts, and that you would use us for the glory of your name.